Welcome to the Elevate podcast. This series focuses on elevating and inspiring women and girls into or to remain in the tech sector from the classroom to the boardroom. I'm Kelly Kwarteng, founder and CEO of Halzak and host of the show. Thanks for joining us today on the Elevate podcast series. I'd like to introduce to you Angelina Saboy. Angelina is a 17-year-old full-stack software and mechatronics developer, pilot, and scientific researcher. She has been programming for over a decade and is fluent in 18 programming languages. Over the years, she's developed a wide variety of applications, including mobile apps, websites, command line tools, developer extensions, hardware devices, and much more. She started independently contracting at the age of 13 and has worked with a wide range of companies to develop software solutions. Currently, she's working as a researcher for NASA, conducting research on meteorite composition in conjunction with developing and instructing about aerospace cybersecurity programs. She's currently focused on applying modern computational technologies such as quantum computing, artificial intelligence, and computational modeling in order to conduct scientific research in fields such as quantum mechanics, electromagnetism, bioelectricity, and astrophysics. Angelina, it's an absolute honor to have you on the Elevate show today. Um, really intrigued to learn more about you, your tech journey, starting out from the age of seven. Um, and if it's all right with you, we'll just jump straight in. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast, dear Kelly, and I'm very excited to talk a little bit more about my story today. Perfect. So let's start at the beginning then. I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago, but what was it that sparked your interest in coding um, so early on at the age of seven, and what inspired you to delve into the world of technology? Yeah, so I was very fortunate as a kid. When I was seven years old, um, my school hosted a beginner programming class using Scratch. And at that class, it was just very basic. Um, it was block code, so it was just like a lot of drag and drop code with conditionals, um, variables. And I made a very basic maze game out of the um, Scratch blocks they had on the program. And I just saw all the different kids in the class. Um, I think there was a lot of older kids in the class that were making more advanced stuff than me, like websites or apps or whatever. And I saw them talking about the communities that were using their apps and the impacts they were making um, with the programming experience. And I was just really inspired um, to see how um, using your logic and using your skills could be something really pragmatic and impactful for the world. Just I started off just with a maze game, but um, I saw deeper than that I yes it it was just a game but um it, it gave me a sense of freedom that I was able to explore my creativity especially at a young age you're always wanting to apply your creativity to build something so seeing something tangible come out of my mindset and being having the ability to build something and offer people a great experience has been a really great motivator and I'm very fortunate to have at such a young age yeah I completely agree I mean like you say there that freedom and that ability to explore your creative creativity at such a young age and that inspiration is is great to see and um, great to hear that your your school offered something at, at such an early age 
I think your journey so far has been nothing short of something that's really inspiring and something that when I found you on LinkedIn was something that, that really intrigued me. And, you know, if we look at some of your accolades, I mean, there's many, but you launched your debut app, Lilac, um, on the Apple Store at just 16 years old. Um, that followed by um, Pocket CPR, um, an app for the Apple Watch, which resulted in you winning Apple's 2022 Swift Student Challenge. That then led to an invitation to Apple's prestigious Worldwide Developer Conference and something that I'm sure many would love to have, but a face-to-face -face with none other than Apple CEO Tim Cook himself. Can you share what was your inspiration and what ignited these ideas behind these creations? Yeah, I think that a philosophy that's permeated throughout my entire life is um, the belief that complacency is dangerous. Whenever I'm build, I'm always trying to be developing something in order to be making the world a better place. I think um, inaction is a lot worse than action. And taking action, um, regardless of how much fear you might have or how risky it is, is better um, than to be um, doing something um, that you're not passionate about um, or just staying still and not applying your skills and your creativity. We don't have enough people in the world working on projects in order to make the world a better place. So I've always been very rigorous about pursuing things and pursuing endeavors in order to make the world a better place. And I think programming at that time uh, was just like the easiest avenue to do so. For me now, it's gonna be engineering and um, applying modern computational technology to um, solve scientific problems. But back then it was app development and I saw a great avenue um, because I've been developing for a very long time. I had a robust skill set in it. And always like ever since I was seven, I was trying to like apply my coding skills to make the world a better place. And with Pocket CPR, um, I took an online class and I found that there was a problem in learning CPR within an online environment because it's really hard to get like an intuitive understanding of compression rates without any kind of passive feedback. So that's how that idea came about. And um, all the other apps I've developed for different communities, like um, I developed like a tutoring site for my um, school back when I was in ninth grade. So it was always thinking and being persistent and perceptive about problems and thinking, how can I apply the skill sets I have and my creativity to solve those problems? I think that's such um, an, an ad, ad, such admiration for for being able to to come up with that, and that's kind of, I suppose, your values, your purpose as to to what makes you who you are, and you know, with that belief that making the world a better place. Um, I think there's going to be some great yeah. things that are going to come from you. Already, there's been some amazing things, um, but obviously, it'd be interesting to see. Um, what's what's further further down the line as you enter your career and, and, and where things go. I think um, it's incredible that you've got the passion for technology and, and having that ignited at such such a young age. It is quite unique, um, particularly within um, females, particularly in young girls. Um, you know, there's not many female developer, female role models um, that people look up to and I think you know you are an inspiration for, for many to come so from your perspective why do you think there's a lack of girls looking towards the tech industry 
um, for their future. Yeah, I think um, that's a pretty complicated problem and we haven't really thought about it too much. So my thinking behind it is there's a couple of things I've noticed throughout the years. Um, the first being untailored education. Um, I remember when I started out as a kid, a lot of STEM activities were tailored specifically for boys. For example, like something as trivial as Legos was more adapted to be within a boy-based environment. Um, just like in terms of like color schemes and like the types of things you would build, um, it was a lot more like vehicle oriented or um, um, like action figure oriented. And I'm not saying like young girls were interested in that thing. There's probably lots of girls that are, but um, there was not a lot of um, tailored STEM activities specifically for girls. And I think that was a huge problem because exposure, especially at a young age, is critical to getting more girls into STEM. And since there's not a lot of tailored STEM activities specifically for more like more concepts that girls would be interested in, I think that just cuts off a lot of opportunities for girls to explore a, a passion that they might have because STEM is hard. Um, that's why a lot of people quit. And I think a lot of girls quit because um, it's difficult and if you don't have a lot of role models in the first place or a lot of positive experiences it's hard to uh, stay attached and keep persisting when the hard times pop up and your code isn't working all the time or whatever product or hardware you develop is is having a lot of issues it's hard to stay motivated if you aren't intrinsically passionate about it i also think another um factor is confidence. I noticed amongst a lot of females, they tend to be very doubtful about themselves. And this was me, especially early on in my STEM career. I was like, oh, I have a bug in my code. I should give up. I'm not talented enough. But it, it just means you just need to be more persistent and be more tenacious about it. And um, what I've noticed among a lot of females in STEM is that if something goes wrong, they tend to be very critical about themselves. But you need to spare some kind of leeway in order to get better at something. I think women just in, in general tend to be a little bit more um, critical about their abilities and their competencies rather than just like going at it and like accepting that, yes, there are going to be a couple of screw ups in the process and amending that in order to get better at a project and not just quitting. Um, I remember um, about the first point I made about having more exposure. Um, to STEM-based activities, especially at a young age for girls. Um, I recently went to DEFCON, which is a hacker conference um, in Las Vegas, and I was selling one of my printed circuit board designs called the Meow Mixer. And the Meow Mixer, it's like a cat-shaped printed circuit board design. It's very cute. It's very like, kid-friendly. It's meant to teach the basics of soldering. And a lot of girls were interested in that. And I think like having something like STEM oriented, so it looks cute and more engaging for girls, um, would be really helpful because a lot of the sales I made off of that printed circuit board design were young females interested in STEM. And I think they were more alert to the fact that it was cute and it was soldering related. So like having things and concepts attract more girls in and more be more girl friendly could be helpful. STEM over the years, I mean, I'm a bit older than, than what you are, but even in my early educational career, it, STEM just wasn't something that was really pushed. Maybe some of the sciences, are, a little bit on the biology side, was something that, that girls kind of got involved within. 
Um, but definitely not within tech, within software engineering. It just wasn't part of what we did. And, and toys and STEM products, you're completely right, I think, were very much geared towards um, young boys. Um, and I think, you know, the world is starting to change and the likes of the Legos. And it's amazing what you mentioned about your own product around the circuit board, you know, making things more attractive and that exposure. I think it then enables us to have a broad base you know it's fine to have toys that are focused on boys and ones that are focused on girls in my opinion as long as there is a toy for boys and a toy for girls or um you know so people can have that choices to to where where they they want to go and what attracts them to get that exposure and to to get that early age engagement i think you are 100 right that earlier earlier we can attract people into the industry the longer the, that opportunity is then to keep them in there. One of the other points you just mentioned there was around confidence and being um, doubtful on yourselves. And I think, you know, this is a, a common trait for women, be it in tech, leadership. You know, as women, we are pretty hard on ourselves. You know, um, if something doesn't go right, rather than looking at what is it that went wrong, we kind of look at ourselves and think, oh, you know, we are the, the, the thing that is wrong yeah. within, within the process. And you mentioned how in yeah. your earlier career, you needed to work on your confidence. Is there any tips or kind of examples that you can give to maybe some young girls that are listening to this today that are out there, they're trialing coding, they're getting into things, but maybe it's just not going the way that they want it to be. To really kind of boost their confidence, be less critical on themselves, based on some of the things that that you've already learned and obviously gone on to to create some amazing um, products? That's a great question. Initially, off the bat, what really helped me was going really fast and and training myself to remove doubt, especially when I was programming. I had a lot of doubt and I was scared to get bug messages. But at one point, I needed to understand that bugs are going to be a part of programming and to get comfortable with it. So I, I think uh, girls especially should do projects, like pick a hard project that's going to really mess with your brain and just do it because it's going to um, help elevate your confidence and like be okay with failing. Potentially pick a project you know it's going to be hard for you so you understand that you might fail and be okay if you do fail because it's not the end of the world. A few bugs isn't that in the world. It's not a reflection of your confidence. It's a reflection of the code base. Um, and get comfortable debugging things. Get comfortable with failure. Um, be okay being uncomfortable, especially within an engineering environment. Because I think in engineering, we put so much emphasis on failure and how bad it is, but it's not that bad. And it's a necessary step in the process. I think that's some, some really great advice there. I think, you know, getting comfortable with failing is a lesson that we can all learn in, in so many different ways, be it if it's in coding, but just in life, things don't always go to plan. Um, and like you said, being okay with being uncomfortable, picking those hard projects, knowing it's hard, knowing that you might not actually come with the end result of completing the project, but actually going through those failure points and learning from that is probably some of the best learning experience that you can do and obviously 
You've then got your um, ability to reach out, you know, join communities, networks, and then ask for that help along the way as well. I'm sure are ways that can help boost up and build that confidence. And hey, sometimes you might take on that impossible project that's in your head, it's impossible, and you get to the end of it and you complete it. And, you know, a huge sense of um, achievement there and, and everything else. So I really appreciate you um, sharing that that little snippet of wisdom um, for, for others to, to kind of share and, and, and work with. I think um, obviously we spoke a lot about um, representation and kind of breaking stereotypes. We spoke about the um, early age exposure for, for young girls being vital um, to encourage more girls into the tech industry. Currently, and I know we spoke about this before when we, when we spoke um, a couple of weeks back, you know, a lot of the, um, the girl-focused or female-focused um, tech industry is very much around um, web and app development programs for girls and women in tech. What are your thoughts on this and on broadening, broadening these horizons and inspiring girls into more modern tech methods beyond the web and app development? Because... The world's changing and it's changing at a rapid play, pace. And, you know, web and app development isn't just where tech starts and ends. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it's absolutely critical to get more youth involved in more modern uh, technological methods. I think a lot of youth-centered uh, tech pro programs, especially for girls like Girls Who Code, are very like, tailored towards web and app development. and I think that's great, but I don't think that's where the world is heading. That was where the world was heading 10 years ago and 15 years ago because the internet wasn't completely robust yet and there was lots of opportunities to develop systems. Now we have AI that can develop a website in 30 seconds with a single prompt. And we have image generators that can develop websites and apps for us. So that's going to make software development, in my opinion, redundant within a, a few years. And... And in my opinion, we should be exposing kids to modern technolo technology and more novel things, such as um, artificial and computational intelligence, um, quantum computing, bioelectricity, artificial intelligence. There's so much the world is working on right now and so many advents in lots of modern um, computational technologies and technologies in general. But I think uh, these organizations are doing a great job at teaching or exposing girls and youth to um, these technologies. We're still stuck 15 years ago teaching where, yes, uh, teaching web and app development was useful and programmatic, but now I think we're heading to a completely different direction where there's going to be so many advents, especially in regards to artificial intelligence and more computational and a lot of computational technologies. And, and I think there's a huge need to be exposing kids to more of those technologies rather than just staying redundant. I think, you know, that, that there's some, some great thoughts and some great advice there from, from you being at such a young age and, and seeing what, what you believe the future is going to be. And, you know, it's very clear that the future is heading in a, in, a, in a different direction. And like you said, you know, how AI now can create a website in 30 seconds. I would, I would, I'm not a technical person myself. You know, my job is I help companies find uh, tech resources. But, you know, I would agree that, 
you know, web development is going to start to become a thing of the past with the use of AI and modern approaches. Um, and, and, and things are going to change. And if we're only teaching our girls how to web and app develop, and we've already got such a gender gap within the tech world, you know, this gender gap is going to start to kind of get broader and broader. If we're not teaching them these modern um, modern technologies and the, the modern way that the world's moving. I think speaking of yeah. the future, um, where do you think, oh, I've just asked you, where, where do you think the tech is heading? Um, but what role do you see yourself um, playing in the future of tech? You know, you mentioned there about AI and computational tech um is this where you see yourself going is it something completely different yeah um yeah i i used to be very good at software development for a very long time i got into it young and i think i've done a great lot of great projects with it but i don't think that's where that future is headed so yes i am orienting myself in a different direction in terms of technology. I will still be in engineering and computer science, but it's going to be oriented in a slightly different direction. I'm going to be focusing more on artificial and computational intelligence, um, especially to map out scientific problems and conduct novel research. Recently, I've been fascinated by a lot of scientific fields such as astrophysics, biology, cosmology, and space-related sciences. Um, especially with my work at NASA, that opened up my eyes to a lot of great scientific fields. And com computers um, can be used to model that phenomena and figure out and discover things um, related to the, those scientific advents um, in a very accurate way. And also see and also um, exposing myself to more modern computational technology such as DNA computing and quantum computing because um, the digital systems, the transistor can only be so small. It can be about four nanometers in length and once Silicon Valley gets to that point, um, there's not, there's not going to be much left over to do in terms of efficiency management in digital computational systems. With analog computing, there's so much you can do because you're not just confined to just zeros and ones anymore. You're confined, you're confined to a lot of different war states, and that opens up a lot of avenues for scientific discovery and um, making computers faster and more efficient in solving our day-to-day -day problems. I mean, there's a whole chunk of stuff there that, you know, I'll be completely honest, completely goes over my head, um, but I'm interesting that you um, talk about artificial intelligence obviously it's a hot topic at the moment in the world of tech um, along with a number of other areas but if we think about AI and kind of the current landscape of, of AI um, and particularly women's involvement in AI you know there's been a lot of um, talk around how you know, the AI is being built and, you know, potentially that there's biases coming through on the AI because of the way that things have been um, built. Could you elaborate on, from, from your opinion, um, any apprehensions that you may have regarding potential challenges or the implications for gender diversity within this rapidly advancing field? 
I think having representation be consistent in the field is important because there's going to be some kind of gender bias or any kind of bias reflected within the AI. Whenever you're developing an infrastructure like artificial intelligence, which is subjective to a degree, you're going to be having some kind of bias in, um, influenced by the creators of it. And if you don't have a um, sufficient amount of representation in the field by talented female engineers, we might have a lot of gender-based bias. And we're already seeing that within AI programs. And it's, and it's great to, to, to see that, you know, that, that is something that it, it is a challenge. And I think it's something that, like you mentioned before, we need to ensure that some of the, the coding camps, the boot camps, because a lot of the girls that are entering into tech, if they've not entered tech at their college and degree course level, they're probably going to be entering tech as um, young women, going into career changing, those sorts of options. And there's lots of um, women that I talk to that sit within that career changer space, but most of them are learning web and app development. So I think, you know, for these coding camps that are out there, these boot camps, are there ways that they can refocus or add There's, in what they're doing to really help? Yeah, adding Sarah. on to your point, Kelly, we should be exposing kids to more of those diverse uh, scientific fields because it's more interesting. Like, I feel like you talk to a kid about bioelectricity or cosmology, they're going to be 10 times more fascinating than if you just start off with like, oh, we're going to make a simple website. I think um, making it alluring and appealing for a lot of people, especially at a young age, this these new events and these new technological fields, they're very exciting and they're very interesting, but hardly nobody knows about these things. And we're just stuck um, with technology that's 10 years that was popular 10 years ago, you're not exposing kids to something that's 10 times more interesting and more fascinating and also more applicable now. I completely agree. And I think, you know, is this something for early education to relook at and, and take on board and, and really start to think how can they challenge um, and look at, you know, the, 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 the academic side of things, the learning pathways to really bring in some of these um, new tech focus um kind of areas that you talk about into earlier education and i think like you said if you can make it interesting it's like anything if something's interesting it can be the hardest thing in the world to learn but if it's interesting and you catch the generation at a younger age they're going to pick it up they're going to learn how to do things they're going to be interested and it's going to naturally just bring through um, a much bigger talent pool further down the line I think um, if there was any girls listening um, to the show today um, who are looking to get into tech, um, what advice would you give to those who are potentially in school or college interested in pursuing a tech career? Um, and possibly, you know, what routes, what other routes should those without access to formal education? Because, you know, not everybody has that privilege to be able to, to go down a, a paid educational pathway. Um, so what other options that you might be aware of that, that girls might be able to consider to enter the tech industry? They don't have that, that ability to kind of go down a formal education. I have a few words of advice in regards to that. Well, it's, um, that's 
something that worked for me was doing a bunch of passion projects. Since you can pretty much learn anything online nowadays, it, it's very easy to just pick up a passion project and learn about any technology that you're interested in. That's how most of programming was for me. Um, I think I taught myself 17 of the 18 programming languages I know, and that was all self-taught online. Um, so there's so many avenues and so many fields you can explore, especially within an online environment and utilizing those resources is incredibly helpful. I would also say, don't be afraid to be, go broad. I think in tech, there's a lot of emphasis in being a specialist and specializing down on one field, but I've noticed a lot of really talented females in STEM are multidisciplinary. Um, and they're good at a lot of things. They're good at the art aspect and they're good at the technical aspect. And I see a lot of like intersection and broadness among females in STEM. Um, and I think a lot of that is discouraged, which I don't think it makes sense because engineering is inherently very multidisciplinary and any development of product is going to entail different fields intersecting together in order to develop new products. So um, what's helped me along my career and, keep, and helped keep me motivated was exploring different scientific fields and applying that to computer science and not being scared to try new projects. Like um, I've done a lot of projects within cybersecurity and I've also done hardware stuff and software stuff. So I've never been scared about pursuing those projects and being scared I've never been scared about trying something new. And it's a lot of fun. It keeps you up on your feet, keeps you um, um, excited because especially once you get to a specific threshold of competence within your field. I remember like when I got to a specific point in software development, it just was work and I wasn't learning anything new. I was just like waking up every day and programming in C or Python or whatever language I was programming in. And I would just be done at like, 10 p.m. and it, I wasn't very stimulated at all and having some kind of subject you're learning to keep you up on your feet and keep you running um, is very helpful um, and I would say the last piece of advice I would have is to engage with your community and go to nearby makerspaces or tech conferences um, especially to keep you motivated. It's great to have a community of people around you if you want to pursue a job opportunity or any opportunity in general. Um, networks and other people in tech are going to be the way to go and engaging with those people and building projects with them. A lot of the projects I worked on, especially when I was learning, was with other with my friends and working on projects with your friends keeps you motivated and keeps you on track and helps you learning and you get a different perspective on the projects you're working on, which is really valuable. And um, yeah, like meeting talented people in STEM in general is a great opportunity to learn new skills as well. There's some, some great bits of advice that you gave there. You know, I'm picking up things around, you know, make it your passion project. Don't be afraid to go broad, have that multidisciplinary approach. You don't kind of, I suppose you don't become stagnant is kind of what, I've just digested your your whole explanation there. One of the things, and all yeah. of the women that I've spoken to on the shows have said, it's about engage with your community and get that network. 
are there any places that that you go any kind of um community sites or community network groups that you could recommend to any of the listeners that you would say this is a must go to 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 connect with people yeah yeah um i've tried i think the best platforms are meetup and discord i've been a part of a bunch of discord communities and just talking to the people there and uh, announcing your projects there is really helpful. Also on Meetup, there's a bunch of different tech events, especially in an online environment. Yeah. And there's very broad, like they go over cybersecurity, there's uh, physics-based groups. There's lots of different groups on Meetup you can enroll in. And also going to conferences like DEFCON, which is a cybersecurity hacking conference. I went to recently in Vegas or WWDC, which is Apple's worldwide developer conference and engaging with the peers there is really helpful. Perfect. Well, there's a lot there that um, that people can take away from um, from today's um, talk and kind of the, the podcast episode. You know, I think in terms of um, kind of where we're at now and then kind of to wrap up today's show, I'm really curious, you know, you're 17 now, um, you've had an incredible journey so far. Um, yeah, what exciting projects are you working on now? I know you're working for NASA, so amazing. Um, but yeah, what exciting projects are in the pipeline? What are your goals? You know, what's next for you that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, I'm doing a bunch of projects as always. Um, but the Focus I've been having for the past few months has been aerospace cybersecurity. So I've been doing a lot of development in that field. I've built a bunch of satellite uh, research tools, um, such as a program called Satintel, which got pretty popular uh, recently. I've also been building a custom turnstile antenna to track down weather satellites using a software-defined radio. Um, I've also been making my own radio telescope out of a spare um, satellite dish I found in my garage. Um, moreover, I think the focus I've been having recently was scientific modeling. Um, recently, I had like this kind of breakdown where I was trying to think what I could be doing that's novel within tech and computer science. And I stumbled upon um, a book called A New Kind of Science by Stephen Wolfram, where he uses computer science to model physical phenomena and there's so much to be left to explore there especially by tying in um, new computational methods such as quantum computing where you can have ultra fast computational um, task running and having that model physical phenomena um, such as dna is really interesting i think there's a lot of potential to be explored there so i've been focusing a lot on that recently wow so lots of lots of different things and i think that multidisciplinary approach that you just mentioned before i think you can see that you're not just focused on one area you do have that that broad approach in terms of where you're at and and, and what's next and i'm sure there's going to be lots of interesting stuff to come um to come your way and yeah lots to, to come from you as well i think um all I've got to say now is thank you so much for, for joining us today on the Elevate Women in Tech podcast series. Um, you know, it's been remarkable you sharing your journey um, and, you know, really appreciate you giving me your time and, and um, yeah, jumping on the show. 
So thank you for, for doing yeah, Thank you so much for having me here, Kelly, and giving me the opportunity to talk with your audience. Perfect. Thank you. And to our listeners, we hope that you've enjoyed today's episode as, in, um, as inspiring as we did. Uh, be sure to follow Angelina's incredible work. I know that she's on LinkedIn. That's where I found her. Um, and I'll share in the bio of the, um, of the podcast um, more ways and some of the topics and things that she spoke about today. Um, and please stay tuned in, um, you know, subscribe to the channels that we're on um, for future fascinating conversations um, with women in tech. Thank you very much.